worship, no Jack and Kay. And today is a preaching, it's not a teaching. So I, I kept trying to put something together in my brain, and I kept asking the Lord for something to put together, and he said, no, I just want you to talk to your heart. And it's really funny because what he wanted me to talk about was love. And the love of Christ, what it really is. And I'm not talking about ergos or, you know, um, all the other types of love that are out there, agape uh, or not that. <laughs> but what is love? What What is it that Christ wants from us in this new church? And I'm not talking about just us, but I'm talking about everybody and anybody who's coming into the fold that is looking to be part of a first century church. And it's, what he said to me was, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's love. No man shows greater love than when he lays down his own life for his brother. That's love. Um, they will know you by the love that you show one to another. What is it? That's love. So what is love? Love is sacrifice. Love is putting your own ego aside. Love is putting your own priorities aside. And that's what we were just talking about in the back. right? If we can't change our timeline a little bit in order to accommodate something that's going on in the existence of the people that want to be a part of this group right now, because we are small, because we do have that ability, and we don't do that, we fall back into religion and we're no longer functioning in love. Amen. I'm just going to say it. And I hope to heck that I'm right. Jack and Kay are okay with what we talked about earlier, which we will... Jack and Kay, I will come and talk to you later today. I hope you're home after service. But I really, it's, it is. It's so true. It really is, right? This is about love. And when we... And, 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 they will, they will know you by the love that you show one to another. What you guys said at the table earlier was a perfect demonstration of that. Right? We want to be here because we pull things apart. We go deeper into what we already know. There's a link between what we've just heard and what we now know. And it gets pulled apart, we go deeper, we, we get into a greater depth, and we can learn so much more about each other and ourselves. Well, that's a demonstration of love. That's what it is. You know, guys will never talk about this. We'll never, ever talk about this. And if you ask any guy outside of this room, except for maybe Rusty, when we go hunting, it's not just about who's a good hunter, who do we trust. It's about who do we enjoy being around. Who can we share with? Who's going to appreciate the things we appreciate while we're hunting? You know, and if you're like most hunters, who's going to be ethical? Who's going to be right? And who's going to do the right thing? And to a guy, that's love. That's compassion. That's a heartfelt feeling of, I know that I am safe with this individual, and he should know that I am so that he is safe with me during this endeavor when we're out with high-powered ammunition <laughs> and very sharp knives. Uh, you know that there is nothing to worry about, and not only that, but we're going to do everything we can to be ethical, humane, and show love not just for ourselves but for the environment around us. The old saying is, huh? Yeah, I know you got my back. Right. That's exactly it. 
I've got a choice. Right? Yes. Until you've got that trust in a man. And that's where I was going with this, because why is love so important? Especially now. You better know who's got your back right now. And we are, we are living in a day and age, and I know I harp on this. I know I'm talking about this a lot. It's not because I'm so politically minded I can't talk about anything else. This is the reality that we live in. This is where we are right now. This is, this is what's happening in the world. A lot of people don't want to hear it. But the reality is we either open our eyes up and realize there's something else going on in the world besides little Johnny's soccer game on Tuesday. Or you're going to be in some deep, deep doo-doo here real quick. We need to know. And let me say this. Whether I'm wrong about the timeline or not is irrelevant. We could be fine for another five years, another ten years, another twelve years. I don't think it's going to be longer than that for a lot of different reasons. Um, but we could be. We really could. God could give us a reprieve and we could be fine. I highly doubt it. And it's not about God's judgment coming down on us. It's not. It's about a world that's moving away from the kingdom. Exactly. And when the world moves away from the kingdom, I'm going to give you an example from my personal life. Um, I have two children that are estranged from me. And the reason they're estranged from me is because they've chosen to move away from me. Plain and simple. They have a perspective as to who I am. They've made up their mind as to what dad is. And they've chosen to go that way when I'm following God. And if you ask them, both of them will sanctify themselves by saying, telling you all the righteous things they're involved in, none of which have anything to do with the church, which is irrelevant. You don't have to be part of the church to do righteousness. But it helps. But it does help. It helps support you in, in the midst of it, because sometimes it's difficult to be righteous in this world. And let me, let me clarify something, too, before I go on, is that righteousness is the presence of God being exuded in an individual's life so that others can see it. It has nothing to do with your moral compass doesn't. Okay? Um, and when someone takes righteousness and makes it about their moral compass, that's when they're not righteous. It's self-righteousness. And so when this type of thing happens, my two children that are estranged from me don't have relationship with me, not because I don't want it. I would talk to them any day of the week. I would love them any day of the week. I, I don't preach at my kids. They know I love Christ. And I, they know that I, I want them to serve the Lord. But if they're going to call Dad, they're going to get God. And so they don't call Dad. They moved away from me. And that's what happens with God. When you don't show love to one another, when you fall into an aspect of pulling away from God. You've moved away from Him. He has not moved away from you. He's there waiting for every individual on this planet, right now, today, willing to say, yes, you're part of me. But we've moved away from Him. The 
aspect of that is, is then individuals begin to say, well, okay, but God doesn't love me. God doesn't this. God doesn't that. I was talking with somebody earlier who's in this room, and I said once an individual has been hurt, it is really, really hard for them to come back and to actually accept the love of Christ because you get caught in a trap, a trap that the enemy sets that he repeats all the time because his lies are always repeated, and that's you're too far away from God. He won't accept you. It's easier to just stay here, muddle in your sorrow, and get through this. And it's not true. God doesn't want you to muddle in your sorrow. That's what the enemy is saying. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what the church says. That is, that is and well, some churches do, but that's not true. Um, that is the reality of what the enemy tries to lie to us about all the time. And the reality is that if you accept Christ, you're free immediately. The moment you say, I'm not going to get stuck here anymore, you're free. You're free immediately. It's like, the, it's like not picking up the Word for weeks or months on end. When all of a sudden you pick up the Bible and you open it up and you start to read it. Oh, that feels so good. Because <laughs> all the lies of the enemy about the judgment that will come from the word or anything else that might be muddling around in your brain just washes away. Because the truth is freedom. Amen. And the word is true. So this new, this new church that we live in, this, this new existence that we have in the world that we're living in right now, it is imperative and I think this is why it's so imperative that this first century church exists right now. We need to be able to have one another's backs, like Ronnie said. We need to know that uh, there is trust. We need to have a safe place. I hate using that terminology because it's been corrupted, but we do need to have a safe place where we can come, talk about things of God, and be able to express our concerns, our hopes, our desires, and then let all of that together develop into a humility that's in the congregation. When we develop that humility, because a developed humility is something more than a false humility. False humility is something that we see in the world often. But when we have a realization that God is God and we are not, and we can do that in a group setting, we have what I refer to as, as a developed humility which means it's something that is deep, it's part of our core, and it's a simple understanding that God is God and I am not. But it permeates us to a depth that there is, there is a walking that they can, can then happen in that humility that normally would not happen. So to just expand that out a little bit and make it practical instead of some philosophical statement, um, the humility of love in Christ allows us, again, to love one another. If we don't have humility in Christ, I can't love Mike. Mike's very lovable. He's a kind man. He's a gentle man. He wants to give to others. He has a heart for the Lord. That makes you a lovable individual. I'm not talking about cuddly lovable. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking about what is a lovable person. That makes you a lovable individual. But if I don't humiliate myself, if I don't humble myself 
in Christ. I can't accept that love from you. I can't give you the love that I would want to give you because everything becomes superficial. You ever talk to somebody and, and you know their intent is right, but when they're talking to you, it's just distant and, it, and it's not there and you're not connecting. And, it's, and that could be for a multitude of reasons, so I don't want to iron this into being one thing, but you know what I'm saying, right? I think everybody, everybody's nodding, everybody kind of knows what I'm saying. That is and can be a false humility where you're trying to make something out of something that just isn't there. It's not there. That's how false... Ever done. What's that? Our world doesn't ever do. Yeah, we do it every day. It's just what we do because it's all we know. We've been conditioned to do that now, right? I remember my grandparents, because they were older when they had my dad. They were already in their late 40s when they had my dad. And so they were born in the early 1900s, 1904 and 1907. And... Um, They had true humility. They understood what it was. They lived through both world wars. They lived through the Great Depression. They understood what it was to have, what it was to not have. And they, they earned humility because of that. What God is doing in this first century church is he's accelerating the process for us to be able to come to a place of humility with him. And that's through, I believe, through relationship with one another and the openness to just be with one another. I myself, Sean, I, I just don't believe that you're really living and walking in the way God wants you to until you do. Yes. And that's where Paul expresses that, where he says, I have learned in all things to be content. Whether in Feast or famine, whether health or not. Right. And when we get there, then you're truly living. Yeah. You're truly loving. And and it allows us it allows us because humility comes over time. And it allows us to actually be patient, long suffering. Kind. Be kind. See, when I'm long-suffering, when I... When I yeah, that's exactly... And that's where I was going with it. It's the fruits of the Spirit, right? It develops the fruits of the Spirit in us so that we can then bring those to others. And in bringing them to others, it's a reflection of the humility of Christ. All of that is to say this. Love is imperative at this time and this age. We have to have it. It's imperative so that we can feel safe. It's imperative so we can function as a body. It's imperative to bring us together as one. Okay? It's imperative for the future of what God is going to bring with this first century church. I don't believe, this is just me, I haven't talked to Jack and Kate about this, but I don't believe that we're going to see the fullness of what this body is until whatever cataclysm that's going to hit America is about to hit. Do what now? I do not believe personally that we are going to see the fullness of what this body, the body of Four Rivers Church, is going to be until the cataclysm or the event that is going to hit America hits. I don't know what that is, but I know there's one coming. Well, I, I'm just sitting here not to scare anybody. No. By any means. But I'm just sitting here 
thinking, how long are we going to get to do this? Yeah, because this isn't about, again, I want to clarify, this isn't about God's judgment on us or God's no. judgment on America. It's no. not. It's, it's, this is about the world doing what the world does. The world's so this full of sin and hate. You guys pick up those mics because this is a really good point. It is. It's about, it's about the world doing what the world exactly. does. Exactly. And what the world does is not what God is doing. No. It's not always God. that way. It may have a flavor. It may have a bite. It may take what God is doing and re-rationalize it and try and make it into something else that's perverted. Okay, go ahead. Are we talking about that on? John's Here's Rusty's on. Hello. Okay. <clears throat> We're talking about love. Well, the world has perverted the word love to also include acceptance. If I love you, I accept everything that you are, everything that you do. Love is not acceptance. They are, they are, they are, they are apart from one another. Right. Well I can love everybody, but I cannot accept what they do as right. Yeah. And that's where the world is. If, you, if, if, if I love... If, if I love... Caitlyn Jenner, then I fully accept that what she, he has done is glorifying God. When we all know, in fact, it is not. That's, that's the message that the world is preaching to children, to us, to every generation that's alive on the world today, is if you love someone, you must accept everything that they are. And that is a false statement. Amen. Well, that's right. And, and without making a true statement, there is no truth. There is no freedom. This is why one of my children doesn't want to talk to me. I refuse to call he a she. She was born a he. I refuse to. I'm sorry. That's mine. Now, I'm not judging in that. I'm not. I'm not judging in that. And this is where she loses it. She thinks I'm judging, that I'm religious, that I'm judging, and it doesn't matter how I try to explain it to her, she doesn't understand. I said, no, it's not judging. It's acquiescing. If I acquiesce to a falsehood and you choose to believe it, that's your choice. There's no judgment in that. I don't care if you believe it or not. Believe it. Do whatever you're going to do with it. Live your life. Exist. That's what you choose to do? All the more power to you. It doesn't take away from the fact I love you. And it doesn't. I love my kids no matter what. It does not take away from the fact I love them. I don't think bitterly of them. But I will not acquiesce to the spirit of this world that lies. Okay. He is the father of all lies. And everything that is inclusive with that spirit that says that he is a she, or she is a he, or they are an it, or them are a that, you know. I used to have this saying when someone would say, you know, I used to have this saying, I would say, um, they would say, you know what? It was a big thing in the 70s and the 80s. People would say, you know what? And I'd say, no, I don't know what, but I know who. You know who bought new it? 350 in that it goes like, you would not believe how that thing goes. You know, just using those words. You know, and then someone would say to me about a homosexual, 
which again, I don't care how you live your life. There is literally, I want you to understand this, there is literally no judgment in me towards an individual who wants to live that lifestyle. There is none. I'm not saying that to be politically correct. I don't agree with the lifestyle, but that's my right. It's not for me. That's my right. I don't have to acquiesce to it because I live in a different kingdom than they do. So it's a live and let live attitude. You guys go ahead, do what you want to do. But don't force me to think that it's something that I should be doing. You know, when those things were happening again, uh, when AIDS first hit in the 80s, we had a lot of transgender individuals come out. And some of them were my friends from the bar. I was bouncing in a bar in the early 80s. And, and uh, you know, we used to go to the gay bar and play pool because it was open and you could get beer on Sundays and you couldn't get anywhere else. That was the life that I lived. So I had a lot of friends that were on the other side of the sexual spectrum. And uh, I would jokingly call them he, she, Because depending on the day, they didn't know what they were. And they would laugh at it, and I would laugh at it. There was no, there was no animosity. There was no anger or hate. But if somebody of my sex, male, tried to make a pass at me, they learned real quick. Don't do it. That's not who I am. I'm asking you politely once, and after that, consequences are consequences. I am a bouncer, after all. And that's how I reacted to people at that point. I did not know the Lord. <laughs> and... But this is the reality that we live in. So what's happened is the truth has been twisted. Love has been perverted. Compassion has been destroyed. And in the process, everybody's screaming, join your tribe, join your tribe, be a part of your tribe. And then the government and other entities are taking away the ability for us to be a part of that tribe. And so we don't have anything steadfast to hold on to. And that's what's happening in the world right now. And that does not allow for the growth of an individual to come into the fullness of Christ and show love or be a part of love because love has been perverted. As we have people walking through these doors prior to and after any calamity that may happen, we're going to find that what they need more than anything is Christ's love. I used to say this to people back in the day. I, I, I preached a sermon on joy, different than rejoicing, which is what I preached last week, but on, on actual joy, physical joy, and the choice to live in joy. And um, I used to challenge people because a lot of people in the group that we had uh, back home came from broken relationships of one kind or another, intense broken relationships. And I said... And, and my wife and I have had this discussion. I said, I had an experience where revival was breaking out in the church that I went to in Regina, Saskatchewan. And my in-laws, my ex-in-laws, called me up about, I think it was a year and a half or two years before, about a year and a half before I met Dana, called me up and said, we need to apologize to you. Okay, and they explained why. And I accepted their apology, and I embraced their love. And then they said, now we want, to, want you to understand we didn't do that for this reason, but we're coming to Regina, we would like to see you, and we heard about the revival that's going on in your little group. Would you be able to come? 
And I went to my pastor and I said, I just want to clarify this with you because this is the background. Would they be able to come? He said, absolutely, of course. I said, good. That's what I wanted to hear. And was able to invite my in-laws who had in the past some horrible, horrible thoughts about me that they found out were untrue. But this is not uncommon when relationships break up. Lies get told, stories get developed, things happen, right? You're the villain of someone's story. Someone's got to be the villain. Yeah. And um, are we ready, is what I used to challenge people, are you ready for your ex-wife to walk in to a service and be able to embrace her with the love that Christ has for you? Is your spouse ready to embrace that individual? Are you ready for that guy that did you wrong, hurt you bad? And I mean, I can. there are things that I know that individuals did to me, and I can only imagine because I know other people that got a whole lot worse than I did. Are you willing to exude that forgiveness? Are you willing to show that love so that the kingdom of God can be furthered? Right? Are you willing, really what it comes down to is this, are you willing to embrace the grace of God because grace is the power enacted in our lives of God? That's how I've always liked to look at grace. Grace is not this greasy thing. Grace is not I'm sorry. Grace is when you embrace the reality that God is more powerful than you and you allow him to enact his power through you towards another individual or situation. That is God's grace. And he is willing to extend that grace to others. Are you willing to open your heart and have him use you in the hardest of times to extend that grace? I have a sensitive nose. So I'm going to say this, and when it happens, you can all laugh your butts off at me and remind me. I know Rusty will. He will remind me. (laughs) I have fun with you. I really enjoy having fun with you. Um, I have a sensitive nose. And and one of the reasons why, when I was 19 years old, I finally bought a vehicle is because I rode a bus next to an individual that I don't think had bathed in two months. And I rode that bus for six hours with them. And it was packed right out, a Greyhound. And when I got off it, I looked at my sister's boyfriend. They were picking me up. I said, is that panel wagon still for sale? He said, yep, take me there. I'm buying it right now. I am not riding the bus again. I'm done. You know, and I bought a 65 panel wagon, old Chevy panel wagon, and I rode that thing all over Western Canada. You know, um, the, the, so when somebody comes in and sits beside me, and they stink to high heaven, and you smell them going by you, and you watch, and I see the grin on your face, and they sit down beside me at some point in the future, <laughs> and you start to giggle. <laughs> yep, there we go. <laughs> and I say these things because, honestly, we've all experienced this to some degree or another, right? Where we think something, and we see something, we hear something, God's talking to us, and then two years later it happens, and we go, what are you supposed to do with that? You know, when you hear it that early, and then it happens. What do you, what, what? So I'm just saying it. So you can have some fun with it, and so can others. But that's God's grace then. I have to extend God's grace and love to that individual. Without judging them, without changing them, without trying to, you know, just embrace them for who Christ has made them to be. That is what we do. That's what we need to do. And that's the day we're coming into. It is. Now here's the downside of it. The downside means personal sacrifice. The downside means, and the reason I'm bringing this up for a reason. The downside means personal sacrifice. The downside means inconvenience. 
The downside means opening our hearts, lives, minds, existence, places of residence to people that we never thought would ever, ever, that we would ever do that. That's the downside. But the upside of the downside is that when those things happen, and this is why house churches and the first century church expanded the way it did, when those events happen, God's grace or his personal power displayed through you to a situation or others in the form of love, which then empowers the situation to exist and be in a peaceful manner, is exuded to you. And you will be able to get through, and not just get through, but thrive. That's right. Well, the King Commandments. Yeah. Yeah. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Don't go there. Yeah. I mean, we have have taken these things, made them into rote things that we should memorize, tried to apply them in ways that fit in the box that we exist in. And we need to remember that every single day we're actually called to live outside that box. The calling to Christ is different than any other other religion. The calling to to walk with Christ. Before I became saved, I was was involved in a series of different things uh, for a period of about three years. Um, So from Scientology to Buddhism to witchcraft to you name it, I was involved in all of them and mixed some of them and, and had, horribly enough, I have to confess, uh, experiences that no person should have because of my involvement with those things. And it's not a good thing. And then had to repent and get delivered of it and the whole nine yards even after I got saved because there was lingering things that held on for three or four years afterwards. Um, so if somebody's out there listening, just do it now because you don't want to do it later. It gets harder and harder as time goes on. Um, <clears throat> That statement sounds like it goes against what I just preached, but it really doesn't. It gets harder and harder because our self is involved, not because it's harder for God. It's real easy for God. But it's harder for ourselves to let go of ourselves the longer you let it go. Um, But I was involved in all these different things. And um, when I was accepted, let me go off on a different tangent than I originally planned with that. But when I was accepted as, as a Christian, and it's a common phrase now. I hear a lot of churches using it now, a lot of people saying it now. One of the first stops I made after I became a born-again Christian was to a buddy's place. It was the first stop I made. Then I traveled back home. I went to my grandma Seagate's house. I told her what happened to me. She was laissez-faire about it. No big deal. You know, not a Christian at that point but had grown up in the church and had been hurt by the church. I grabbed her Bible and opened it up, and I could actually read it and understand it. It made sense. As I was doing that, my cousin Cheryl walked into the apartment. And I turned around, and she looked at me, and I looked at her. And she had been saved for about a year and a half. She was the first one in our family who got saved. She had been saved for about a year and a half. And we looked at each other. And she got a smile on her face and said, something happened you want to tell me about? I said, oh, do you ever? I said, Cheryl, this is making sense. She said, tell me. So I told her what had happened the week before. And she looked at me and the phrase she said was, welcome home.
How many of us wanted a home where we could be welcome and didn't have it? The love that we're going to show these individuals when they come here is to welcome them home. And give them that peace they always thought they could have or have always been looking for and some have given up on. And welcome them home. Why is this imperative? Again, every time I go to preach, because I said this last Sunday, every time I think I got enough together, or I think I know where I can source my materials from, or I can bring forward the things that are going to happen in those end days, God brings something new. This week, I, was, I, I wasn't ready, but I had enough that I thought I could do an introduction to it, and that's not what God wanted. It, it wasn't what I was hearing the Lord say. And yesterday morning, I woke up, and my sister had sent me John Does everybody know who John MacArthur is? Okay, grace to you, John MacArthur. He is not a man who treat, preaches on the end times. But he turned around and he did a series on Revelation, and I just heard one part of it yesterday that my sister sent to me, and I went, oh, I've got to listen to this before I do everything. And it's another source of information. The reason I'm saying this is because love is yet one more key to us being able to be the individuals that we need to be when this hits. See, I personally believe we're going to have a physical cataclysm of some type, whether it's manufactured by government or whether it's manufactured by man or whether it's an epidemic or whether it's a who knows, who knows. Whether we have weather that we've never seen before because an atmosphere, this is the new phrase, an atmospheric river comes over and wipes us, wipes people out or does this or does that or it's hurt. Who knows? I could name a thousand and one things. Who knows? But then there's the things that happen in the time of, of the end before the wrath of God and the things that manifest. And during that time, we're going to need to have developed what we need prior to. So what we're doing here is we're planting seeds. We're planting seeds of love, grace, understanding, all the things we've been preaching on the last few weeks so that we're ready. Then we're going to go into what's coming. And hopefully we're all going to be in a place where it doesn't freak everybody out too bad. And we're ready. We can start to function in humility, grace, repentance. And ending with this, God says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. Humble themselves, pray, turn from their wickedness, I will humble their land. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about us. That means we have wicked ways that we've embraced. Without him, we have very wicked ways. And so we need to turn from it. And that's really all I have to say today. I wanted to really impart love. I wanted to I wanted you to walk away feeling good about this. I wanted you to be able to realize that we are coming into a time. I love the fact that Laura's going to a women of empowerment conference. I think it's fantastic. I love those types of conferences. I really do. Um, I will never ever whenever Jack gives me the grace to be able to be up here and speak, I want to say this really clearly and really loudly because sometimes it can be misconstrued, especially when the Spirit of God is moving in something. 
I will never ever preach directly at one individual from this pulpit. Ever. I will not do it. Okay? And the reason I say that is specifically, there are churches that if somebody from the church of some, some importance or some substance goes to another church to be part of the conference, oh my Lord, how horrible. Right? That is not us. I, I rejoice when, when, when she said, hey, I'm not going to be there. I didn't want to bother Jack and Kay with this, but I'm not going to be there on Sunday. You know, uh, I'm going to this conference. I mentioned to Dana. Dana said, oh, yeah, that's that Women of Empowerment Conference I told you about. I said, oh, that's cool. That's excellent. And I just texted back. Hope you have a great time there. Enjoy yourself. Because I do. As with everybody else here. You know. And don't worry. John and I will always be here. So if I got nobody else to preach at except for John, he's going to get some focused attention. <laughs> right? Bless you, John. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate your I appreciate you extending that grace to me. <laughs> uh, but that's really all I have to say. I I don't really. Does anybody else have any new part to that, or did you pick up on anything you'd like to expand on? I thought your point was really good. It was a really good point. I, 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 well, it's absolutely. And let's pray that. Mike, what, can you pray that for us? And let's let's close with Mike's prayer. We'll do that and we'll do the art. to the Lord a portion of what he has given us, we declare that he teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go. The Lord gives us power to make wealth and supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. We bless Israel and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. As he blesses us, his way becomes known on the earth and his salvation among all nations. Lord, we are believing in you for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, debts paid off and transfers of wealth, prosperous businesses, our vats filled with oil and our coffers with gold, expenses decreased, blessings increased, heavens opened, earth invaded, signs, wonders, miracles, and angelic visitations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for more than enough so we can give into your kingdom, co-labor with heaven, and see Jesus get his full reward. Amen.